Today you're in for a treat guys, Taylor Slattery from Adreno joins me. It was uh, day one of a multi-day charter. Anyway, hey my name's Isaac aka Shrek, the host of the New Spiro podcast. We're, this is the show where I go and interview crazy Spiros from all parts of the world. Today it's a local dude, it's Taylor Slattery and uh, really interesting interview. We, The veterans fault we focus in on getting systematic with a dive, really thinking your way through the process to maximise sort of your time on the bottom. A really cool uh, and thoughtful sort of way to go about um, conducting a dive and there's, there's multiple sort of points you've got to sort of hit and it's just a sort of a mental checklist you can run through to, yeah, just like I say, like maximise your time on the bottom, especially if you're diving deep uh, and you just really want to extract the most out of every dive you're doing. It's a, it's just a way to look at it and a way to think about things. Really interesting idea. And so that's today's Veterans Vault Focus. We're going to get into that very shortly. I just had one quick review for 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing, the audio book. Um, if you go to noobspiro.com forward slash audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, um, you can get this book for free, uh, as well as a 30-day free trial for Audible. But anyway, hey, um, this guy is anonymous. He says, amazing book. Amazing must listen if you're getting into spearfishing and check out their podcast to keep you frothing. Uh, cool little review there. So, hey, let's get into this interview with Taylor Slattery. Just quick shout-out for Robin Cornelan, who's editing this, this episode. Thanks for your work, mate. Great podcast producer. Loving your work. Let's hook in. Taylor Slattery, everyone. This episode of the Noob Sparrow Podcast is brought to you by the world's greatest spearfishing magazine, Spearing Magazine. There are news and reviews for the latest spearfishing equipment and gadgets inside. There's practical how-to and DIY type articles. There's spearing adventures from crazy noobers like you from all over the world. And uh, it's, it's a magazine that you can pick up or you can look at. And if you've got the digital subscription, you can flick through and let it inspire your next spearfishing adventure even if you're having a dry run, keep the stoke alive. Check it out at spearingmagazine.com. If you're away from the good old USA, though, check out the international subscription. That's at spearingmagazine.com. Welcome to the New Sphere Podcast, Taylor. Beautiful. Thank you for having me, mate. Tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, so my name's Taylor Slattery. I've been spearfishing for probably 10 years now, just about. I grew up spearfishing on the northern New South Wales just uh, based out of Grafton, but I used to do a lot of diving around oh, anywhere from Port Macquarie all the way up to Tweed Heads. Um, yeah, just grew up shore diving as a little grom. Ran around the place, I used to, uh, I actually, we used to have uh, a study day for, for school yeah. from year 10 onwards. So you'd have Monday, Tuesday, school, Wednesday off, Thursday, Friday, school. <laughs> so Tuesday. New South Wales school system, oh, oh, I'm loving it. <laughs> So we just used to, me and some of the boys, a lot of the guys were surfers, so I'd go down to a place called Mulloway. And, uh, called Mulloway? Mulloway, yeah, yeah. Um, so we stayed in a caravan park there and, you know, being 16-year-olds, well, 17-year-olds with our P-plates and free reign of the place, we'd get on the beers and stuff around. But, uh, yeah, one day I woke up, I remember just seeing a hand spear and that was, well, let's get, what are we, what's that for? And so yeah, we went hand spearing from then on, and I think the next day I went and bought a hand, uh, bought a pelage. Bought my first pelage. Oh, yeah, you did pelage. the same. <laughs> yeah, I did the same as you. <laughs> when you told me about it, I was like, yeah, no, that's, that's, oh, no. I did the same. So I bought a pelage venom, 20 mil rubber, couldn't load it, didn't know what I was doing, and went out there and just started um, chasing Luderick. Yeah. And it just went from there. Yeah. 
So describe Luderick for people that aren't familiar with them. Oh, so they're a, they're, you're a rock blackfish. Mm. So they're typically found all around your headlands. Um, they're grey. <laughs> <laughs> they're typically grey with black bars down them. Yep. Um, you see them up right up in the shallows. They really like rock lettuce, like what you see lettuce. Yep. It's that light green. They're, they're a straight weed eater, aren't they? They're yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can tell, definitely. There's a specialist type of line fisher that target them, isn't there? Yeah, they use float. Like, they'll use a little float and a half a foot or a mm. foot of um, line below it, and they'll just wet, ride them up and down the headlands. But Weird species to target for a line fisherman, given mm. the other varieties of fish out there. Yeah. But Luderick are quite a good species, I think, when you're first starting, because they're just... They're great um, staple fish, definitely. And this, they're prolific... They're Everywhere. decent size, yeah, they're you can. not too small, and um, and if you gut them and get them, they, they go all right. You go, definitely got Especially to gut them. Especially when you're not fussy. <laughs> definitely got, got to gut them. Yeah. They're uh, pretty stinky once you open them up, but and like a bit of a greyer fillet. But yeah, I grew up chasing those guys, and it just, you know, when you stumble upon Mulloway on your local, local headland, that just opens your eyes to a whole new world from then on. So, so Lutterick, did you take a couple back to your mum's place and fillet them in the sink? No, not the same. No, you never no, did no, it. No, no, no. Oh, I, I did it once. Shot me. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was going to get shot. Maybe that's why I'm not married anymore. Um, but Lutterick, do you think they are a signalling species? Like, if you've got Lutterick around, do you often think, okay, there might be some of these around as well? No, not not so much. No. Okay. I think they're pretty prolific, just about to wherever you go, yeah. as long as there's a bit of wash. Um, yeah, there's not too many headlands you won't find them on. Okay. Cool. Um, there's definitely, yeah, I wouldn't say they're a signaling fish, but I see, um, for me, I found like a sign- like grey nose sharks are a really good signaling fish for Mulloway and stuff. Like, okay. That's what I look for. If I find grey nose sharks, there's going to be uh, Mulloway in there. And yesterday we were talking actually about finding Mulloway or filming them and they've got like obvious injuries on them, like they've been... Yeah. Clearly barked up by something, and we were sort of theorising that it might be grey nurse. Definitely, definitely. And so this sort of further affirms sort of what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I've got every well, some of my the, the best ledges that I've found. You know, when they assume, they really hold. You'll have a like an eastern facing ledge, and with a bit of an undercut, you'll see a lot of a lot of the time you'll see grey nurse sharks kind of tucked up behind mm. underneath them or cruising out on the on the sand edges. Um, I'm not sure if if they if it's they find like Mulloway find comfort in hanging around those big sharks or something, but a lot of the time, you know, even if you look at Julian Rocks and places like that, mm. grey nose sharks and they're prolific Mulloway mm. everywhere over there. So those relationships between species, like when you spend a bit of time on the bottom or, or observing, you know, like spearfishing and stuff, mm-hmm. you, you do start to notice some of these little things and develop your own theories. Um, yeah, definitely theories. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. But it's interesting, just discussion nonetheless. Um, I guess paralleling your spearfishing journey, you started working at Adreno fairly, fairly soon after. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, so I moved to Brisbane, chasing a girl and uni, and chasing dreams into the city from a from the from a place called little place called Grafton, and moved to Brisbane and didn't really know what I was going to do. I was studying and I was concreting and doing all these other things, and yeah, kind of just. Loved my spearfishing at the time, so I just kept knocking on the door of Adreno and just kept asking for a job until they got sick of me and gave me a job. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to get a, get a run and haven't looked back really since. It's been, yeah. been a little whirlwind trip the last eight years. So. And working in a shop gives you, like, 
I mean, you have 150 conversations about spearfishing every yeah. day, and you're looking at gear, you're rigging gear all day long. Surely it must um, give you like extra insights into the sport that most people aren't privy to because we're just weekend sparrows or whatever. Yeah, definitely. But uh, a lot of it is really, it's you really got to work it out yourself. I think to an extent, anyway. Everyone, everyone can can really point you in the right direction, but mm. putting those, actually putting it to action. Um, you definitely, yeah, you definitely do find that working in the shop every day, you're hearing people telling, talking about different species, different gear that they really mm -hmm. enjoy. Um, a lot of the time, the, the biggest thing that I find that I learn the most of is just literally being in the water. Like every single yeah. time you learn something more in the water. Yeah. Um, like you said, we all have our own theories on on what works and what doesn't, but yeah, yeah I think you, you really put, start putting stuff into action and and some theories work in different different areas, different species. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Today today we saw that play out. There were four dories that left out from the boat. We're day one into this um, trip yep. out to the bunker group, and four dories left um, in, in sort of different order, and everyone headed to a different part of the reef. Mm. The guys that were a little bit more premeditated and had the patience to motor out for a little bit, yeah, yeah. a little bit longer, <laughs> yeah. and work out, I think, where the current was maybe hitting the front end of that reef. Yeah, they are the ones that got the the biscuit, and yeah. we saw four very different uh, boxes of fish get get put back in. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and that's I think it's it's literally that you know you you do start to learn. You know what currents, uh, how they're hitting different different parts of reefs. What mm. you what you're really looking for, but it also depends on what you're chasing. Mm. Like you, you can definitely see that the people who, sh who saw Spanish, you know, they were they were on the edges where on those pressure points where that current was hitting. So they were definitely in for a lot more of a chance rather than on this leeway side where there wasn't too much current running in the right direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, not really hitting any pressure points and not having any upwellings on the front of the, on front of those yeah. reefs. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely see it play out really differently. It was it was pretty cool to see. My boat felt like we were urgent teenagers, and we were, just <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we were just like, um, oh, that'll do. And you know, like it was literally like, there's yep. some good some good wommies, and and we were you know ten minutes motor from the boat, and we were all ready to yep. get in and get wet and, and yep. jump in. And maybe if we had had a little bit more time and and we were a little bit more patient, we would have. Um, <laughs> Maybe, or it could have went the other way. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. And that's that's the beautiful thing about it, isn't it? Like, I think, I think a big thing is, is is trying out exactly like, it's always good to try any any thought you have. I think you should try it, you know, because then at least you, you know you can move on. Yeah. Um, for me, I do a lot of like today. We we went we jumped straight in, we did a 10, 15 minute drift. Yeah, the, the boys shot a few nice little trout, um, but. You could tell that it was, the ground wasn't really there. There wasn't as much bait, so yeah. you're not going to really redo that drift again. Yeah. So okay, well, yeah, we made the decision move out another 50 meters, move out from 12 meters into 16 meters, mm. um, and that's when we we saw some really good fish, and that's a big thing. I like, I kind of don't know who said it to me, but you don't leave fish to find fish. Yeah, is a big thing. Um, obviously, depending on what if you haven't if you haven't shot fish. You don't leave those spots. Like you, yeah. you keep trying. You, even if you're you're not able to get the shots off on them, um, yeah, you don't really leave fish to find fish. And so that's what we did. We shot some really nice trout. Um, I think we all all landed a good trout on that one, second drift. And that third drift, we went out into 19, 20 meters, 
and there was no fish to be seen. Yeah. So we came back in again, trout, Spanish mackerel. You know, we started seeing the moo, um, all your big icy brims. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was. Uh, I think it's really just getting in, trying out, trying out your idea. Doesn't work. Okay, move on. What's next? Just try something else. Yeah. What's the definition of being crazy or something? Is it? That's stupid. Stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's Einstein. Yeah, yeah. He's doing <laughs> the same thing over and over yeah, and expecting it. different results. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was an Einstein one. That one, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, I mean, going going back to your rock rock hopping days. So you, you you're diving all of these headlands, and it's kind of headland sand, headland sand. And, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's fairly um, monotonous. Uh, tough tough guesswork. <laughs> yeah. Wondering where to where to go diving. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, so you started on Lutterick. What was sort of your progression? And um, what were the obstacles you had along the way? Look, I was really lucky. Um, I, within buying a gun, within three weeks, you know, living in a small town, you find out who dives, who doesn't. Um, so there was two other divers in the area and <laughs> they had a boat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Brad and Grant Arnott out of Mini Waters. Brothers. Yeah, brothers, yeah. Um, they said you know, come out with us. So I remember, yeah, within two or three weeks of buying a gun, I was out there chasing um, the Eastern Green Craze. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, watching their old boy. Like, so, that, yeah, we dive with their old boy and learn a few things off him. Yeah. So I've jumped in. Yeah, for me, I was 7, 16 or 15 or 16 years old, jumping in 150 metres offshore. <laughs> this old bloke's pulling wobbygongs out of caves to grab Easterns, and I've just, what have I got myself into, you know, at that point? Um and then, yeah, just just really, underst- like starting to learn from there is that it's it's definitely time in the water. Like those guys just knew that place like the back of their hand. There's yeah. a lot of people who would come to the area and say there's no fish, and but they'd they'd find their feed. So I was really yeah I was really lucky. I got mm. I got access to a boat pretty quickly. Mm. Um, and experienced bureaus. And experienced bureaus, yeah. With um, local knowledge. Local knowledge, new gear, good understanding of gear for sure. Mm. Um, and pointed me in the right direction. So, yeah, they, they were pretty well the tipping point for me to really point me in the right direction. Otherwise, I could have been bashing around on headlands forever and not really yeah. knowing what's happening. Yeah. Um, but it took me a long time, you know, like I didn't I didn't shoot what any, my, most people would say is a good fish for I think a year and a half. You know, yeah. I remember, yeah, Chase, like for me, the, the yellowtail kingfish was... Oh, yeah. I, that's I'm still like that. Yeah. I still froth on them. Oh, they're they're like, awesome. They're not even particularly difficult, but I just love the way they... <laughs> like they're exciting to shoot. They're a big fish. Yep. They swim awesome. They've got plenty of character. Mm-hmm. They go nuts when you put that first shot on you and you get maybe five or ten minutes out of yep. them. But like... And then the, I, I love the way they eat. I haven't had a soft one oh, or any of these yeah, crazy yeah. things that people complain about. So I yep. always like them. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I remember the day I, I remember shooting it. What was it? So, you... uh, so yeah, we're diving in a place called Southern Drop. Yeah. Um, and the the boys were sat. They've been sassing me for quite a long time. Like, oh, when are you going to shoot a fish? Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, you know, put the yeah. pressure on. Yeah. And I remember I put the shot in. I knew uh, I dropped down. It's probably about eighteen meters. Oh, decent. decent yeah. Depth. So because I'd been diving for quite a yeah. at that point, I'd been diving for a while. I hadn't really shot too many fish, mm. but was pretty comfortable in in the water. Mm. Um, yeah, in a school of six or so, odd, six or so, just yeah. came in, turned broadside perfectly. You know, just just letting them come to me, not really attacking them or putting too much pressure on them. Turning broadside, bang, straight in the shoulder, like in that, in above that peck, yeah, and that shoulder, out the gill plate. Um, 
Yeah, I just remember hitting the, hitting the surface and being like, oh, I can't remember what I said, but it was <laughs> like, oh, who's a... Oh, yeah, I don't know. Something, <laughs> yeah. something absolutely stupid. <laughs> who's the man now, yeah, boys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tell me how big it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty well. Something yeah. along those lines. But uh, yeah, and absolutely frothing. And from that day on, it was the same thing again. Just It's just that one. It's always... Uh, even today shooting a really nice trout yeah you still you still go back to those those first few fish you shot and it's just still just as stoked yeah, yeah for sure like i know that i'm gonna fillet that fish and take it home and eat it with good friends yeah, yeah. that's what it's all about yeah for sure man okay so you you shot your first yellowtail that was a big run on the board yeah yeah um what about the freediving side of things did you did you have any struggles with that because like what in 18 months you got down 18 meters so yep. That's that's pretty fast progression, and um, for, for for a lot of people, anyway. Definitely. Um, do you I have any just, difficulties? I mean, you talk about hands-free equalising now. Is it, you've been blessed with it. Yeah, I've, it's I've been very very lucky. I, I've definitely had, well, I've had pain from from big days of diving and um, a little bit of struggle every now and then, not equalising, but everyone has those days. Um, but no, I've, I was I was really lucky in that point where living half an hour from the coast working as a concreter at the time um, or, or uh, when I was a school kid was you've got the flexibility you can you don't have responsibility so yeah. you run you get oh you, you knocked off early okay we're going diving yeah. the weather's good we're on so I was diving three two to three days a week from oh, pretty much when I was 17 onwards I'd say um, so I had yeah a good little purple patch there and um, yeah dive, dive quite a bit and same thing like diving with the Arnott's and just working out those spots, so mm. chasing pearl perch, mulloway, trag, mm. kingfish, things like that. Um, but it was really cool learning, really, that it's a lot of it's seasonal as well. You know, there are you might above water, it might not seem too seasonal, but as far as water temperatures go, currents go, um, winds, you know, it's definitely seasonal. Mm. You know, coming into winter now, this last month has been one of the best winters we've had. Yeah. Water's clean, conditions are good on topside. We've had one of the best westerlies blown off Brisbane for a very long time. Mm. We had a 30, 30 knot westerly that blew for a couple of days. Bay cleaned up. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's exciting times. It opens up a whole lot of spots that are, 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 are barely diveable, uh, if yeah. at all, most of the year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, but what a, a lot of the days have been not too fishy, though. Has that been your experience, or, are you, or am I just going in the wrong spots? Oh... Uh, yeah, look, you can always. There's, uh, I learned a big lesson in Caldwell, like I was saying, telling you last night, the Caldwell Cup a couple of years ago diving, and it was really interesting to see, you know, Tim Mack, Bryson Sheehy come you know, diving in. We get out to Morton Island, top of the Cape, and it's an uphill current. I've never dived the place in an uphill current. Yeah. And so our usual spots just not turning on. It was completely threw a spanner in the works, you know, like if you, you don't, it's at those times, you know, oh, you don't really know your spots too well mm. or know where, well, during those seasons, during those, those currents, those winds, that was a really big thing. Like that's why Tim Mack and those guys are really, really successful in what they do is they, they have plans for whatever happens, you know, they get out there, the currents in that direction. Oh, well, we're doing this today. Yeah. And that's yeah. the direction they go, you know? Yeah. Um, so, oh, I think we've, I've been lucky. Like, I've, I've been back in Brisbane now for three months after my Perth stint, and I've landed some beautiful fish, which I'm stoked about. Mm. Um, yeah, it's definitely not been as good as 
couple of years ago, I think. There's yeah. definitely been a lot more pressure in, on the on a lot of spots off Brisbane. But I think that's a bit of a trend we're all seeing everywhere these days. Mm, mm, mm. It's an interesting conversation to have too, I think, about yeah. spearfishing pressure because um, it's not something that maybe people want to talk about. They want to think that Spiros are safe, sustainable, selective, and but the, the reality is if, if, if 10 guys are diving a spot five out of seven days a week, that, that, that place is um, exposed to a, a unique still style of pressure on that fishery and definitely there's no doubt it has an impact. And it's, and at the end of the day, the sports is only as sustainable as, as the person holding the gun. Mm-hmm. Like, you and I can be as sustainable as we think, but there might be someone out there shooting, mm. you know, 15 undersized tuskies that day or something like that. Mm. But, you know, like, there are species like black spot tuskfish that lionos can't really, they can't really chase them or mm. target those species, but as spear fishermen, we actively target those species. Yeah. So, you know, when you see spots that are in a decline of that fish it's pretty indicative that it's been hit pretty hard by spear fishermen same yeah. with you know your gold spot cod stuff like that four strong reasons to shop at spearfishing.com.au they have a price beat guarantee on any australian price for spearfishing equipment if they stock it $15 flat rate shipping across australia they've got a 30-day hassles free returns policy and you can save 20 bucks on every purchase over 200 by using the code NoobSpear at checkout when you shop online. Added to that, if you order gear online, it arrives quickly. It's very well packaged. It's a literal no-brainer if you're a spear in Australia. Shop at spearfishing.com.au. Use the code NoobSpear and save. I've done some studies that I read about in the med and stuff where they've studied the the fish response to, to, to human activity. And after sustained spearfishing pressure, the fish um, develop a response where they stay further away. And yeah, right. Yeah, and, they, and they're actually able to adapt. Like, so there's an equilibrium factor built into even human predation, which I think is really interesting. And it says that an area can recover. However, it's, we still have an impact and we've still got to be responsible with it. And good spearos will exploit even that 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 weariness of, of fish because yeah. we, you know we all we do is think about hunting and we mm-hmm. do you know what I mean it's this constant battle and I mean it, there's a lot of joy in it but I think yeah I mean there's no doubt we have an, have an impact and we have to think about it absolutely yeah definitely but, uh, yeah it's kind of that delicate line we walk I guess yep. and with a growing human population and possibly a growing sport of spearfishing it's something that it's a definitely lot of a growing sport it's mm. massive the yeah. last few years it's been uh, obviously seeing the amount of people coming through the shops um it's exciting. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. You know, like it's really cool to see people getting out there and enjoying what you, know, you and I are enjoying on this trip. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, obviously we could be as selfish as we want, and yeah, hopefully yeah. no one's hitting our spots. But uh, do you think that was the attitude ten years ago? That was the prevailing attitude. It was like we don't really want a whole bunch of people doing this. We're quite happy that there's <laughs> yeah, half a dozen yeah, of us. Absolutely, and to and, an extent, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also you know. Instagram's made free diving and spearfishing pretty sexy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like sex sells and, um, yeah, it's definitely, in this in this day and age, there's a lot of people who want to be self-sufficient, mm-hmm. especially after all this COVID-19 stuff. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people are starting to think like, oh, I want to be able to, you know, shoot some fish or fill my freezer with, you know, sustainably yeah. caught food. Um, 
And definitely understanding where their food comes from. Yeah. Because of 95 to 99% of people probably don't really know where their meat comes from, their fish. Yeah. Um, and but, but honestly, like most of the dudes that are out here, that we've bought vacuum pack um, sealers, and we've bought vacuum pack bags. Definitely. They've got Nikos and labels, and yep. people are taking a lot of care with what they catch. And, um, and maybe even that's different than, you know, a lot of years ago where... You know, a lot of fish got filleted and shucked in and it was divvied up at the end and, mm-hmm. you know, like it wasn't really a primary focus. Now I think there's a bit more value on the resource as well. People yeah, are a bit more yeah, conscious yeah. about it. People know how to cook their fish, I think, mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. There's a bit more appreciation for it and there's... Definitely. I don't know, there's still there's still killers. Like, there's still oh, people, yeah, absolutely. A lot of there's people just seem to... You want to shoot what they want to eat and, and that's it, you know? So Definitely. Mm. Definitely. Well, that's... I'm... Like, you know, the boss always pays me out about he calls me a vegan spiro because i'll shoot one <laughs> maybe one or two fish if i'm yeah. lucky in a couple of weeks you know yeah. um but for me like yeah spearfishing is about getting out there in the water and enjoying it i've yeah. seen you know seen some pretty cool things mm-hmm. today saw, saw eagle rays cruising along the bottom silting up the bottom yeah and then eating crustaceans underneath the sand like yeah i haven't seen that in a long time mm. that's pretty cool yeah, at the end of the day, like today was, you know, that's crazy because we, we've ended <laughs> yeah. up, we've had, we've had a guy medevaced out off the boat today. Yeah. He got medevaced out. Just tell a little bit about what happened. Oh yeah, like I've never experienced anything like, like oh, I've had a few. Yeah, I've had like a few. You have, actually, <laughs> I've had a few you're, close calls. You're the jinx. Yeah. You're, <laughs> yeah, the, you're exactly. the X factor that causes it. <laughs> um, yeah, well today one of the boys was uh, had a pretty big Spanish mackerel in his hands and mm. um, just. I'm not. I'm not too sure. I wasn't in the water. Mm. Um, I haven't seen any footage of it, but it was just a, a really big Spanish mackerel that was playing up in his hands, and in the process, a knife sent it up in his leg, which um, is obviously no good. Yeah. Um, cut, apparently, he's cut the tendon and and the yeah, muscles pulled the back up in his leg oh, I saw it. Yeah, and so bunched I saw up. It. Oh, you saw it? Yeah, yeah. So taking him up up to for the RACQ care flight to. Um, pull him out mm. um yeah he was sitting there and he pulled his leg up to show the paramedic and just seeing that that lump in the top of his quad was pretty you know, alarming alarming for sure and you know hats off to wayne i've never seen i couldn't imagine myself being yeah. too calm so that's that. wayne judge like yeah I mean, listeners might know him because he's Absolutely. been on a couple of episodes as well so definitely yeah he, he wayne, was cool calm and collected yeah. i've never yeah Subduing a, a, a 21 and a half kilo yeah. Spanish mackerel or king mackerel up in some parts of the world, and um, and it sounds like he's had the fish between his legs, between yeah. his knees, Good old bear two hug. hands in the in the gills, and then he's had a knife in his right hand, getting ready to slip mm-hmm. the icky in, and it's just wrestled him, and he stabbed himself in the leg, and then it smashed it around a little bit oh. while it's in there, and yeah. gee, was and and like that helicopter <laughs> coming in on the back of this vessel today. It's surreal, isn't it? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll have to link up some videos Absolutely. and stuff in, in today's show notes <laughs> so people can have a look at it. But holy shit, what a mess! Oh, and then coming back and Joel as well. Joel, one of the other boys, is playing around with some burling and dropped a knife and dropped it into his leg as well. Yeah. So we've got another one with a only a little flesh wound, but definitely still enough to yeah. tomorrow wake up call. That's tomorrow for sure. we'll be starting with a five a.m. safety with knives. <laughs> yeah. Bloody, I think we'll uh, get an brief. angle grinder and turn them all into bloody. Uh, yeah, take the points off them. Yeah, but we like having a point on a dive knife. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's something you've got to respect so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like when these boys both did their injuries, I thought shit, that could have been any of us. And like I've, I've done little injuries with it. Yeah. And that's how you learn. Yeah. It's a bad way to learn with a knife. Oh, especially, yeah. Yeah, it's a bad way to learn. Yeah. I've got 
yeah, a few scales on my hands from it. And you know, some of the guys are pretty embarrassed about it, but it's yeah. we've all done it. One um, of my first jobs was working in a meatworks. Oh, yeah. And um, I started in the packing department, thankfully, because yeah, I was, okay. was cuck-handed, as my, uh, <laughs> someone used to say to me. But, um, you know, by the time, you know, like learning knife skills and how to handle knives oh, safely yeah. is a real art. And a lot of people jump into spearfishing without any background with knives. And then you go from not really using them to all of a sudden having two maybe strapped here. Yep. And how you put it back in the holster on your body is, is something you've got to be careful yeah. about, whether it's yeah. on your leg or in your weight belt or up on your arm. And a lot of people don't even think about it. It's just one of those things that we've learned over years. But Definitely. I think it's a, actually now thinking about it, it's like, something we should probably talk more about it's definitely one of the biggest yeah it is a, definitely one of the biggest like it's probably where most of the injuries have come from mm. for me the you know today obviously there's two injuries today i've been on a boat with out on so going back a couple of years probably two years we were out of uh, stradbroke island out of the wave rider boy yeah and taking one of the guys out to shoot his first dolphin fish we roll over the side sure enough really nice school of dolphin fish come through turns broadside Puts a really nice holding shot onto it, but in his excitement, it's just straight into it. You know, he's, he's straight onto his mono. He's pulling, he's holding on. He's not really giving it any any room at all. Oh, so no. he, he gets it into his hand. He's pretty green. He's pretty fresh. Yeah. And I see him get his knife out. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He's like, put it away. But at this, he's 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 gill deep in it. He's got his hands all up in it. So he uh, puts the knife to it. Big kick from a you know, five or six kilo dolphin fish. It kicks on the surface, gets out of his hand, gets out of his hand, and um, knife slips right through the wrist. Oh, in that he flinches. Mold. He pulls it in, puts it right between his ribs as well. Oh. And I just see all this unfold in front of me, and I'm like, okay. So I take the gun off him. Okay, I get in the boat. We land the fish. We get mm. in, and you can see he's gone white. And yep, check the wrist. Okay, take my weight belt off. Pull my weight belt. Tourniquet. Yeah, not too, not too tight. Just enough for it. like, was pressure really effect, like, effectively on it? Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I think direct on wound can be good. You don't have to yeah. necessarily be above it. Exactly. And cutting off that full no. artery, it can just be just to clot. more or less directly on it, as long as it's enough to pull up that blood, blood flow. Exactly. I just recently did a refresher for uh, for work as well, so it's, it's yeah. good timing too. Probably. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I'm a bit of a prepper in that sense. Like I'm now, yep. I've had quite a few of these. You know, they they don't. They always end well. They've all so far, thank God, they've always ended well. Um, everyone's, but, you know, we're everyone's remote. I think we get we're like, okay, it's going to be sharks, yeah, or it's going to be shallow water blackout, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's like, no, 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 it's nah. probably the more predictable shit. Absolutely, it's the it is the knife wound because uh-huh. it's what we and it's a little bit like we laugh at police and stuff, like particularly yeah. in the US. Well, maybe not at the moment. It's nah. not a funny subject, but nah. but you know. Like they carry holstered weapons, and they they are the ones that shoot themselves all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, but like if there's you know a hundred thousand people hand, handling firearms every day, a percentage of them are going to have accidents. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I guess it's the same with us with dive knives. There's mm-hmm. however many thousand of us these days, and we're all handling at least one or two knives on us. Definitely. And every every has got at least a knife. Definitely. And um, you've got a big struggling fish. It's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah. And that's I think the biggest thing is just. Is understanding where, where, like reading the fish after you've shot it. Mm. A lot of the time, you can see how fresh that fish is. Where if it's if it's still, you know, with a Spanish mackerel, again they can come to life in that. A lot of fish can come to life in that top two meters mm. of water. You know, mm. they can. You can sometimes stone a fish, get it with you touch your hand on the spear, and 
they're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll happen. But if, you've, if your flopper's engaged, you've got tension on it, you know, there's nothing wrong with letting it sit there and kick yeah. a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, Take some energy. If anything, Have it's only going to... three or four minutes. Yeah, if anything, yeah. it's only going to bring in some more fish for the rest of the boys. Um, I remember that, though. Like, with, with the first... 10 Spanish I think I shot I lost because I tried to put too much pressure on that was me today I did oh, the exact yeah. same thing today yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. so walk us through it yeah so uh, actually well I had two good, opp- two good opportunities on some big Spanish around that 25 to 30 I'd say yeah yeah so I've bent two spears over oh two yeah two spears over there I've got to uh, got to go straighten um, but so, yeah, first time, we just had one come straight in on us. Buy Adreno Spears next time, man. They, yeah, I know. They don't mean, oh, no. I should have. I should have <laughs> listened to myself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, that was just a cheeky thought. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, it was just literally, we're doing a drift out in about 16 metres of water. Started, started my duck dive, and half the time my duck dive, well, through my dive, my eyes are closed, so I'm tucked into my streamline position. And I've gone to level out, look up. Spanish mackerel to my left. He's uh, by the time I've looked at him, he's already veering off, pretty sharp to the to my left hand side. Yep. Um, so I knew if I swung my gun to the right, to well to the left, straight towards him. Oh yeah. I knew that was going to spook him. Yeah. Like, so as I'm leveling out, I'm angling my fins so that I'm turning back around to the right. So effectively, I'm turning my back on the fish and veering completely away in the opposite direction until I get to the point where it's going to circle around. Um, Why do they circle around? They're just too, so inquisitive. Yeah. So inquisitive. Yeah. Um, it's one of those hardest things to do though, isn't it? Oh, well... Because you want to yeah. chase it and follow it, but it's the opposite thing to what you actually need to do to get the fish to turn on you. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, I learned that lesson over and over again. But anyway, you... Oh, you'll you always, you've, I learned it again today. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. On the third fish, or second fish, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was... Uh, yeah, so I've turned, turned around, it swam straight through... I've li- effectively I've just held my gun out and waited for it to swim right into range um, pulled that trigger and it was a pretty nice shot in again just above that pectoral in that shoulder it. oh man I can't believe it yeah it's, uh, it just seems like like an Instagram photo waiting to happen oh I was I, I already had it on the dinner plate it yeah. was ready to go yeah. you know, the other worst head. ones oh, the exactly. worst yeah. you're, you, you're already thinking okay yeah, I'm going to hold how that am I going to hold deck. this yeah. <laughs> and I, before you pull the trigger yeah. and then and then it will you know you just bugger it up somewhere. Yeah, I, all I was thinking was your face when I turned up with a with a mackerel as long as me. Yeah, like, that's all I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we came up with peanuts. So, yeah. but so yeah. you, you've put pressure on. You've shot them, good holding shot, and try to pull it up too fast. Well, yeah, because I was using a reel and a float line, so typically I just use reels. Reel. Um, so you have it locked off. Yeah, well, yeah, I had it locked off, but I, fe- I usually like to have it locked off for the, yeah. at least the first first run so you were um, talking about that yeah um, well, let's get there in a sec but so Absolutely. you had it locked off and then what, what have you done so i locked it off um and i knew that it was pulling fish uh, pulling pulling line and i knew it was a pretty good shot so being in 16 meters of water just slowly made my way to the surface that was my focus mm. halfway up i i use a rifle reel so they've just got a really easy lever action oh yeah drag so i click that back effectively into free spool yep um and then i just hold my hand against the side of that spool and put that little bit of tension on it. Yep. Once I hit the surface, you know, I, fo- I always focus on my rescue breaths, get a few breaths into me, make sure that at least someone knows what's happening. Yeah. Pulled the trigger, I've had a fish on. So one of the boys, he's seen me, 
And by that point, he's I've already been pulled 20 metres away from him. I love that. Oh, yeah, it was, it was good fun. And yeah. it's been a long time since I've heard that spool just peeling line. Yeah, yeah exactly. just through your hand and yeah. it's burning. It. Oh, it's a great yeah. feeling, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so there's I'm swimming. I'm ducking under float lines because we're out here on these liverboards. You have to use a float line. So yeah, yeah. I'm ducking over under float lines as... You know, I've already at this point there's already twenty meters of real line out. Mm. Um, being thinking that, you know, it was a good shot. Um, hand over fist, pulling it up, kicking fo uh, following it down current, but chasing after it and putting some big yards on it. And then I'm looking looking for my dive buddies for a second shot. You know, I have for me, I just want to get that fish in the boat. I'm yeah. not too stressed about a second shot. So. Oh, man, I'll put it in. I yeah. don't care. I no. Yeah. It's funny when, like, I mean, records and comp dudes seem to have a thing with it. But Absolutely. for me, I, I never care about it. No, no, not at if all. If I have any doubts, boom, shoot yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, at the end of the day, like, you're just wasting time as well. Mm -hmm. at the end of the, yeah. And you can break gear. Like, I bent my spears today, putting too much pressure yeah. on them. So, yeah, if you can make it easier on yourself, why not? Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, so I'm looking around. No one's. Re I had one of the boys probably about 20 meters to my left. Still, I'm a hand over fist. I look at him. I ask for a second shot. Look at the spear. Ah, oh, no, it's a pretty good shot. Don't stress. Pretzel though. Pretzel, yeah, it was pretty bent. Mm. Um, but the flop, I couldn't see the flop. Like the flop was on the other side. Yep. Te there was not not a big tear. So I thought it was perfect. Um, so I pulled it up, got it to probably within about two hand handfuls <laughs> until I got to my spear. One big kick and the, the it's just pulled straight through. So I've just seen at that point the floppers just torn straight back through. Oh, and so I must have yeah. just put a bit too much tension on it and mackerel being that bit, bit softer flesh, it's just torn down to uh, down to its belly yeah. and then just pulled through that belly flap. So It's hard not to. It's disappointing. Like, yeah. you know, that's probably a dead fish, which is... Again, that's a disappointment. Yeah, it's not a fish yeah. for no reason, but uh, but it doesn't sound like that was avoidable. Well, I probably could have let it spool. Yeah, that was you know, fifty yeah. meters of line on my reel. How long did you, did you was that whole play like? So from shooting it to to getting it within two hand lengths of you, feels like twenty seconds, you know. But oh, yeah, that's too fast for a fish that. Well, big, no, it, it feels like twenty seconds, but oh. yeah, we're probably talking. It'd be three three minutes or so, yeah. three four minutes, so. Yeah, what do you reckon though for a fish like that? What's a good a good? Like, even when you got him, I should have just let him spool. There's yeah. no. There's and then no how rush. long would the fight have gone if you'd let him spool? Um, you know, probably double that effectively. Yeah. Yeah. He probably at that at that point once I'd pulled him up, mm. I was pulling him up. He was below me, so mm. he effectively stopped. He had a few tiny little kicks. They were consistent. They were beating. Yeah. But they weren't. He's they weren't a big con consistent yeah, bang bang yeah. bang bang. They were bang bang bang. So, yeah, look, I, even at, even if that point, if I'd slowed down and let him run for another two or three minutes, two minutes or so. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh, absolutely. Are you listening into this podcast thinking about your neglected spear guns down in the shed? But if you're like me, go to neptonics.com, buy yourself some new rubber, some new rigging, get your spear gun tip top so that you're ready when that fishing trip comes around the corner, you get the random phone call. We've got a weather window. The fish are running. Let's get into it. Neptonics.com. To sweeten it up, use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off storewide at Neptonics.com. Get those spear guns sorted. Don't be like Shrek.
you'd let it free spool, right? You're giving it that extra three minutes. How how much do you think that would have upped your percentage chance of landing that fish? Well, that's where I don't know. Like, I've, I've, it's a very it can it's, go it's up a lot of science. No. is it? I've seen a lot of people who don't put enough tension on Spanish and yeah. things like that. And if they turn that broadside, that it takes tension off that flopper, and then it comes on with it with a with a rip. Or the flopper closes and oh, you pull straight yeah, through, yeah, yeah. and you'll get back and you'll have nothing on your flopper. Yeah. yeah what's happened here? And it's, that's usually the 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 spear's actually gone another you know hundred mm. mil through the fish. One of the kicked, closes the flopper. Is that one back. of the big arguments for using real guns on 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 Spanish because you can determine how much tension you put on them? Because with a float line, you, you can also do it, but absolutely. But between sort of. Sometimes you, you, you shoot and you don't grab your float line in, in time. So do you, do you think you should hold on to your gun until you've got control of your float line before you let it? I do. But that's, yeah, again, yeah. I'm very I'm very much used to using my reel. Yeah, yeah. So my, my kind of train of thought when, I'm, when I've shot a fish, mm. particularly in depth, at depth, I um, take the shot, make sure that that fish, if, you know, if it's running, that it's out of the reef. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter at what depth it is, mm. so you'll I'll shoot. Usually, that my gun will be chucked behind me. I've mm. already grabbed towards the muzzle, and I'm already mm. onto um, the Dyneema, mm. and I'm holding that tension there. Yeah, trying to direct that fish. And if I've hit, the, if I've, I really like to shoot fish when they're kind of either broadside or quartering away. Yep, because you can really control their angle. You yeah, can tra- control the way they're running. Yeah, um, broadside can be a prick because you can pretzel easy. Yes. If you yeah. get them quartering away, just a, even just a little bit, and you've got a little bit of angle, it seems yep. to just... You, you don't have to put as much surface, energy, and, and the way the tension comes on the shaft, it's a bit, it's yeah. a bit nicer. But Especially yeah. on stainless spears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so even with this new hardened stainless, you, 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 still, you still think... It's softer than um, than our than our usual. Um, what what is the steel? The spring steel. Your spring steel is is harder, effectively, but it, the the character of it is it's a lot. Um, it's got a lot more flex to it. Yeah. So when you're putting a lot of power into those spears, you'll see a lot if you slow your GoPro down, mm. especially in you know one one sixty, one seventy, one eighty centimeter shafts. Mm. When using a spring steel, you can see if they're overpowered, they flex out of the muzzle. Oh, yeah. So if you slow your GoPro footage down, sometimes if you've got new rubbers in particular, you'll see as soon as it shoots, that mu- that, that spear can be facing 10 degrees yeah. away, you know, like out of control, kind of just... And so it's getting that wobble effect coming out and can, be, can make it pretty inaccurate. Is this what people commonly call whip? Yeah, your shaft whip. Because, yeah, yeah. So, it's more of a flex, though, factor. Yeah, well, it's the just the characteristic, the characteristic of, the of that material, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's the benefit of going to that stainless. Your stainless mm. is a lot harder; it's a lot stiffer, really. Mm. So when you're pulling that trigger, you don't get as much of that. Um, but then, when you put a lot of tension on them, they bend. Yeah, right. Um, but at least with stainless, like I've bent that spear back, it's yeah, it's within a you know a couple. How do, of you, how do you make sure a shaft is straight while we're there? In the water or? Nah, nah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, both, both. Oh, well, in so the water. So it's just lying aside like a... in the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, look down. <laughs> Your Captain yeah. Cook navigation <laughs> shit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Crocodile Dundee stuff too, by the looks of it. Works every time, mate. But, and then what, what about out of the water? How do you like properly zero it in to make sure you're good? I like, well, yeah, I usually just roll it on a, on a table. Yeah. Keep that flopper on the overhang on the table. Yeah. Roll it and you'll see exactly where the bend yeah. is. Um, and then from there you can... And so stainless you can bend back into shape a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah. Just uh, with small, small bends. Small bends. Yeah, you uh, can you can bring it back. You'll it, it'll typically always have a bit of a kink there. Yeah. Um, but you'll be able to use it that day. Like if you if you did a local trip and you didn't want to take a spare spear with a stainless, like you are definitely risking it. But you can definitely make it work. Like that one there's actually really not. I came out really good, so it'll be sweet, I think. So that's interesting. Anyway, talking about the characteristics of different steel, um, it's some a good conversation are, to have. Oh yeah, absolutely. But like, there's some people who are freaks with their steel, being able to straighten them. They know exactly where that kink is, and using a hammer, they can just hit it at yeah. the right pressure point, bang it, and that's straight. Yeah, right. Yeah. Whereas you know, for me, it's putting it on the ground and bending it at that point yeah. hoping that at it comes At least you back. bend it yourself. I just take it around to my mate Matt's and go, hey Matt, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and he just looks at me and goes, well, you're a loser. What have you done here? <laughs> oh, I, you know, like I've got better over the years, but you know, I'm, I'm, I would definitely still not call myself a gear dude. Like, no. um, but again, I think that's one of the benefits of working in a shop. You just, you, you don't have any it's choice yeah. and you enjoy sort of geeking out on it. And I think there's the element to that with a lot of things you do the more you kind of do of it the more you sort of think about it and and you know get smart about how you do it as well yeah there's definitely ways you can do there's always a way you can do something better Mm -hmm. um yeah it's really cool like many people like you know rob allen and his whole brand ethos you know understanding that Mm -hmm. everything he wants to do is walk us through that so you you met him over in wa because you were were you managing the store over there yeah so i went i moved over there in Must have been 2018, I think. Yeah, holy moly, you're getting old, bro. 2018, 2017 or something, not not too long ago. But um, yeah, went over there and opened up the Adreno store over there. Um, So it was a great, for me, it was a great experience just to get over there. Yeah. Meet a lot of the locals and do a lot of diving over that way. I had some friends over there anyway, so it was a pretty easy move. Yeah, and then we were lucky that Rob Allen had had a bit of time to stop over on his way back. He was visiting the east coast of Australia. Yep. And so, yeah, he came over and spent a bit of time, spent a night in the shop. Yep. And, yeah, I just picked his brain. Like, yeah. Rob Allen's Rob Allen, you know? Yeah, He's yeah, pretty yeah. Cool to, yeah. Pretty cool to meet a bloke like that who's been in, in the game for so long and, and he's proper geeked out on his gear and made sure that every single thing, like... His YouTube channel lacks all... Like, if you're a cinematographer and you're looking at Rob <laughs> Allen's channel for, like clever camera angles and shit yeah, yeah. you're going to be really disappointed but if <laughs> you're going there to geek it. out on spearfishing gear you're going to be infinitely satisfied yeah absolutely. like that's uh there's heaps of gear stuff on there it's good well you just oh yeah it's exciting to see what he's well, like what's going to come out from that from yeah those guys like yeah yeah he's been making his you know playing with his triggers and changing different things in his mechs and making them better and better over the last few years yeah um yeah you were talking about like trigger pressure and stuff like yeah he's done Every single test under the sun, it's, you know, it's for someone who understands their guns in, in and out, mm-hmm. you know, and is able to show you the, show you the tests. Yeah, it yeah. Was, it was super cool. Yeah. And really, yeah, it was cool to see someone who's custom-built rigs to, mm. to test all of this, you know, test mech loads, test how much it takes to pull triggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's time and it's and it's and it's, but it's also diligence and it's attention and detail. Just passion. Yeah, he's, yeah. That's all. Like he's yeah. just a. He's still a frother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part, it's awesome know? to see yeah, the old bloke's yeah. still frothing. Definitely. And actually, like Wayne, who got injured today, he's an old frother too. Like he's, oh, he's sixty-five. King of frothers, mate. And just, king and of he's, frothers. Yeah, yeah, and he 65? loves it. Yeah, sixty-five. I thought you. I thought he's. I don't know. He's sixty-five. <laughs> sixty-five, Wayne. Giving him ten years, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he won't we'll be give, happy. We'll give him another ten years. <laughs> it's all good. Um, 
Before we get to Veterans Vault, I just looked at that mono over there and I had a thought. Um, The mono shooting line argument Mm -hmm. or discussion. Um, Post on email. Yeah. What are you doing these days? I drift between the two, depending. I use. Yeah, I know. No one does that. Uh, I was very much a naysayer at the beginning just because of the, the memory of a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, you get a lot of tangles and... Pain in the real. ass, you got to swim it out all the time and... Yeah, but it's... It, you can go, you get really big, um, really big breaking strains out of really thin um, diameters, which is pretty cool. So on roller guns, talking to people like Manny Sub, um, Manuel Bova, um, about how much the friction, like your friction slows down spears. Mm. Um, so using a bit of that, thinking in that sense, I've been putting, like using a 1.5 mil Dyneema. Yep. And splicing it onto a lot of my guns. Yep. So you're keeping all the strength of the line. There's no fail, well, no fail points the, if you do it properly. Yeah, um, yeah. And just looks super, super clean. So yeah. been doing that on roller guns. On my, you know, my rifle, I'll just use mono typically. Yeah, righto. But do you have a mono preference? Because I, I was using this Jinkai stuff the other day or on one of my guns. My mate actually rigged it up for me. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, this stuff is the shit. Like the, the clear stuff that has like a blue tinge to it? Uh, yeah, yep. Yeah, and it is like um, super strong, but the diameter is not too thick. And yep. like the breaking strain on it was ridiculous compared mm-hmm. to like what the diameter is. You, you think. What was it, like 1.8? Uh, yeah, it was 1.8, but it was yep. like, I think it might have been, like it was unbelievable. It might have been 500 pound or. Yeah, wow. It was it was it was good and it was like I don't know it was just it it felt really nice to yep. you know run through even for the first time without memory and stuff and I was yeah, just like yep. it just feels good like it just you know like the material itself. Well, it's good for like, like for me. Like what I do on my rifle because with mono it can pinch in max yeah like that so you get wear points in a lot of spaces so yep. if right where you rig it into the, a lot of people rig the mono into the rear of the spear. Yep. That going in and out of your mech, you can get some wear points. So a lot of people forget to check that. Do you fall? Do you fall your mech so that for my rifle? So you no, get less I run. I usually wear? run Dyneema through it oh, through yeah. the back. Oh, yeah. So I'll have a open or a closed loop of Dyneema into the spear, and then I'll crimp my mono to that. Oh yeah! yeah. Wow. Yeah. How how far up? Not far at all. It's literally probably I don't know. Let's say it's a loop, but it's 50 mil long. Oh yeah. Um, Fish on out here. Yeah, they? they're on. Hopefully a red for dinner. But uh, yeah, so I've been doing that. I look. I, I really like uh, the memory and how easy it is to use mono, and especially. But, but you breaking can, you can strain the breaking strain. If, you if can get uh, reefed. Well, if you have a if you have a pretty pretty solid fish, and it runs straight into the reef, and you've got a fair bit of tension on it, especially up here on this coral stuff, it's super sharp. It'll just cut straight through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Look, that could definitely be said the same for Dyneema. I don't think there's yeah, yeah, know, yeah. two of one and half This is a good discussion to have. Like, yeah. It's funny to chat with someone that knows both and goes both because generally people are very fixed. Yep. And like I, I felt prehistoric because of all these dudes are saying, no, 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 you've got to go mm-hmm. Dyneema. And I'm just like stuck in my ways of mono and, but I don't know. Yeah, this is <laughs> like for me, yeah, I really liked, I literally went Dyneema because I like, really like the splicing. Like, that's what I really liked. Yeah, you like knots and geeking out on that shit too. So you got a couple of vids coming up, I believe, for uh, the Adreno YouTube channel, maybe. Yeah, we're hoping to try and do some on this trip, I suppose. Yeah, be good cool. To, uh, cool. Could do a little bit more, like, yeah, it's just I really I, I enjoy that side of it. Yeah. That's one of the best things I like about my job is 
you know, talking to, well, just, you know, people who haven't dived that much or, you know, just getting into the sport who are absolutely frothing. They yeah. just don't know what, what they need to be looking at. I'm trying to point them in the right direction a little bit, you know. Um, you just like talking to frothers. Yeah, Whether it's people yeah. that have been brand new or people that are obsessed <laughs> yeah. about rigging and shit. Yeah. You just well, love frothing it. on stuff. Yeah, because yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's contagious as well. Yeah, exactly. That's it's the whole a, thing. It's the contagious. Energy, yeah. You know, whether it, like you were saying before, there's you know Wayne Judge, King of the King of the Frothers. I know, yeah, yeah. Um, and Bostock in WA. Like yeah. he's one of the, he just absolutely loves diving. Yeah. in his blood. You know. One thing you can probably say to you guys too, like like if you're hitting out with experienced guys and that, and you're worried about like, um, oh, I'm not going to be diving up to their expectations or whatever. If you froth on what you're doing and you don't complain and you just yeah. muck in, I think people are just happy to have you around. Hundred percent. So unless they're dickheads, and then find a new new crew anyway. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Which there are people like that. I I don't know. I remember going out on one boat with these guys, and they were really good. Mm -hmm. And um, and I wasn't. Um, And these dudes didn't even really talk to me on the way out. It's all the way out to Morton. You're out there for an hour and a a bit. (laughs) And then we were diving for a while, and this guy hadn't even really looked at me or acknowledged me. And I was like, oh, what I've done wrong here. And but then he shot a fish, and um. And he lost it, but it was right on the sand there. But it was in like 21 or 22 metres. And I've just dropped straight down on it, managed to put a shot on it for him and bring it up for him. And, <laughs> and then after that, I was his best mate and he was pissing <laughs> in my pocket. But, um, but you know, like it's funny, some of the, some of the boats and cruise you Did you take on. the fish home in the end? No, I gave it to him. <laughs> I gave it to him. And that's, I won myself a friend there. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you can't just be good to people who, you know, I don't know. There's like it's like like I, I guess with new jobs and stuff it's the same sometimes yeah, you know yeah definitely there's some people just have a little bit of a a cold they're cold initially mm-hmm. I guess it's the same with spearing and new crews and stuff as well but definitely definitely it takes a while just to get to know people I suppose mm-hmm. down those walls yeah for sure. Equalising, breath hold, relaxing, taking on depth. There's a ton of struggles every spear encounters. Every single person that does spearfishing has an obstacle. They have something that they're working on. They're always trying to get better. For me, uh, at the moment, it's marksmanship. It's improving my aim. I don't, I don't like wounding fish. But if you are looking at the freediving side of things, you have either equalising issues, you want to extend your breath hold, you have trouble relaxing, you don't know how to take on depth. These are very common, and Ted Hardy from Immersion Freediving has put together a whole bunch of offerings for you. Check it out, newspero.com forward slash Ted. There's a whole bunch of these uh, online courses that can be studied at your own pace from your phone, if you like, and uh, you can overcome your struggles. Just check it out, newspero.com forward slash Ted. Have you ever wanted to slay fish with a weapon of your own creation? Good news for you, episode 123 of the New Spiro podcast with Ed Martin, from Killshot Spear Guns, lays out the pattern and the plan to help you build your own weapon of death uh, and lay waste to fish with something with your own maker's stamp on it. And along with that, go to today's major sponsor website, neptonics.com, go to the Spear Gun Builder page and select your components to build that magical weapon and use the code NOOB10 to save a further 10% off on anything in your shopping basket. So visit neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off store-wide. Veterans fault. So 
Um, thinking systematically through a, a full dive and being yep. intentional about sort of all the sort of steps of the process. Mm -hmm. um, we were chatting about it last night. I was really intrigued with it, by the idea. It sounds like a, an experiment that you're running. What What is the theory of this and where did the inspiration come for thinking like this about doing diving or a dive? So I started getting to a point where I was diving quite deep for, you know, 20 to 30 meters and just really wanting to be comfortable there you know the there's i've had mates pass away from blackouts and things like that so wanting to understand what's going on what i'm what i can do to make sure that i'm not going to put myself in that position uh so that was a big thing for me i wasn't really ever interested in going to the pool and trying to train or trying to really Oh, that really tight focus at working in a swimming pool. You like? Yeah, I, I really, I very much like. For me, like everyone, time is precious. Yeah. And so it's hard to make time to go to the pool. It's hard yeah. to really go and focus on that stuff. So, mm. um, so look, I've definitely done my time in the. I've done some time in the pool, um, and definitely done a lot of time training with it. And I went and I was working with uh, Lucas Hanley, he's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, from the Underwater Academy in Sydney. And so, yeah, I started working with him and it was a real, bit of a light bulb moment for me to actually understand. He put in a really simple term that free diving is like a dance. Yeah. And so there's steps to it. Um, so that's when I started really just drilling down what, what is happening, what I'm doing actually throughout the dive and where I need to be, what I need to focus on. Um, so not like a dance like you're used to, like at the beat or whatever. No, this no. is more of a like a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, more like yeah. Well, yeah, you've got your steps, you know, um, and you stick to them, and yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So, and the benefits, I think you like you were talking about earlier, like um, if you can get that first ten meters right, and the and the bit before then, oh, that's sort of that first part of the dive, you get you maximize your time down as well. I think definitely. Well. Yeah, so for me, a big thing was that I'd, I I get contractions really early, spe especially uh, towards the end of the day of diving or after a, l a few big days of diving. So I, I just really liked to try and distract myself as well. So I used to I used to rap songs in my head. <laughs> so that was what I did. Like I just focused on I just sing um, "Express Yourself" by N.W.A. Okay. And that was it, just because it was super funky. <laughs> I could just dive and focus yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, but then I realised I'd get to the same point. And I'd hit the surf. I'd have to yeah. come up. So whether it was in six meters or thirty meters, it didn't really matter too much. Yep. Um, so you got, to the, you got to the chorus and you were done. Yeah, somewhere along those lines. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so yeah, I, I and I, I kind of just knew that that was a mental barrier for me. Mm -hmm. So I started looking in a different way, and as far as steps, because that step might take um, different timing throughout the whole dive. Uh, so. Yeah, effectively, I looked at it. And I, okay, so when I'm on the surface, um, I'm doing tidal breathing. I've always uh, made sure that if I've done a, my previous dive was a minute 10, times that by three, three and a half minutes. From there, I'm going to start looking at, okay, how, what's my heart rate doing? How comfortable am I feeling? And then from there, okay, I'm ready to start getting ready to dive. Tidal breathing's coming. I'm equalizing. I'm making sure I'm pretty comfortable closing my eyes, just really trying to slow that heart rate down. Um, do you do a muscle tension thing as well? Not so much, no. Is that like a, uh, like a muscle check, you're thinking? I mean, like on the, you, there's that Headspace app, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but one of the things they do to get you sort of 
present uh, is to sort of um, really think consciously about your breathing and then your body and releasing yep. muscle tension. And um, I've heard other freedivers talk about it too. It's mm -hmm. like, like Emmanuel Wawa, I mean, you were mentioning him before. Like he was one of, he was like, he said, it's almost like you want to be asleep Absolutely. on the surface before yeah. you dive. And that's the, that's the state. Like if you want to dive longer and be on the bottom for longer, that's the level of relaxation you want to Definitely. try and attain. And so some, some people try and, like they almost go like head to toe, releasing, mm -hmm. consciously releasing tension. And then, so I've heard it talked about. I was just wondering if you had yeah, something similar. Yeah, not so much because, you know, it's. I think it's. it can be hard. It, it, you know, if, especially spearfishing. Mm. You've got current, you know, you've yeah. got a gun in one hand. Dive you're trying, to, you're trying to find somewhere that you want to drop onto. You're not just trying to just dive and uh, one after the other. You mm. want to be kind of diving for a specific reason you see yep. a bombing come up or a little bit of a crack that you're interested in looking at so not so much um i definitely close my eyes mm. and if i'm doing deeper diving like i'll even be even lazier and i'll get a rooster float and put it under my chest yeah and that way i don't have to kick i can just close my eyes and i can just focus on breathing and my heart rate so i'll still have my eyes closed i, I definitely know i've definitely tried different um techniques like that yeah wayne talks about that a lot mm -hmm. but yeah not so much for me okay um so i'll just start doing my tidal breathing uh once i start oh i'm ready pretty well ready to dive i'll start doing a big belly breath so i'm feeling that belly pretty much to the point where there's all tension in my belly then i'll pack wall fill that last bit of my chest and then once I have that I am reaching up equalizing and in that same motion bringing my hand down which then spits my snorkel my hand my left hand goes up above my head my right hands on the you know middle of my gun that's the middle my right hand is pretty well effectively driving my direction down yep um, and with my left hand above me I'll then do one big pull like a uh, breaststroke effectively yep um, once that's down around my waist, that's then slowly coming up nice and streamlined up my belly until I've got it on my chin. And I always like to make sure, like I, I can hands free equalize, but I really like to make sure that I'm getting a lot of equalizing in that top 10 meters. Okay. So equal, I, I might equalize 10 times in 10 meters or more, um, depending on what the pressure's feeling. Um, and then, yeah, like, like what Lucas said to me was that, you know, that top 10 metres is where you're your most buoyant, so you really want to make sure you're efficient. Um, and your duck dive can get you to five, six metres, yep. 10 metres if, really, if you're really, really good at it. So that's where always working on your duck dive, making sure that's, that's efficient. I then will usually count to about eight kicks, eight really nice, strong kicks. And at that point, I should be between 10 to 15 metres. And that's when you're really starting to enter, hopefully, free fall, uh, if you're weighted correctly. That's at those points, if you're diving in 15 metres of water, you've got six kicks. My eyes are closed really most of that time on the on the drop. I'll start to level out. My biggest focus when spearfishing is getting to the bottom. I think um, I've had a lot more success. As soon as I hit the bottom, you tend to relax a lot more. You don't have much. You're not holding as much tension in your body. Yeah. Um, it's an easy one to start focusing on other things, whereas when you're in that drop. You can be focusing on. Oh, I need to watch what, what's coming up. You know, yeah. am I going to hit the bottom? Do I need to open my eye? Like, what am I looking for? And you never really want to. As soon as you start lifting your jaw up, you're breaking your streamline. You're not being efficient. So, just making sure it's as easy for your body as possible. And if you're doing 
big jolting movements, looking up, around, depth, you know, you can get trackier squeezes, things mm. like that, um, which I definitely don't want. <laughs> um, With so, your right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, once I hit the bottom, I always, same thing, I'll always still have my, my gun in my right hand, my uh, halfway up the gun, hit the bottom. Um, at that point, start throwing maybe a bit of sand, depending on what I'm trying depending to chase. Yeah, yep. um, and then at that point, you're starting to look at what's around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think definitely a big thing is just making, like, you don't need, every dive doesn't need to be your max. A minute 45. Yeah, yeah. A minute 30. Like whatever your max is, it doesn't need to be that. Yeah. You need to be, like I was saying before, pretty um, intentional with your diving. Yeah. You know, if you see fish around that you think you want, you're interested in taking, yeah, okay, maybe look at, if you think they're, they're, they're looking interested with a bit of bottom time or maybe with some, you know, some coaxing, you can get them in, have a crack, but, if not, if they're at, if they're 15 meters away, go back, hit the surface. I was chatting with this dude last last oh, in recent interviews, and he was talking about a cone of death. Okay. So he like one thing he was talking about. Though, he looks up like maybe 15 meters off the bottom. Yep. And he looks around, and he thinks that if he can't get to the bottom and be within 15 meters of whatever his target is, yeah, yeah. Then he'll abandon the dive and just come back up and then reposition himself so he's more. But with I mean the real, realities of current and all the rest of it. Mm. And sometimes you can coax a fish in, and if it's 15 meters away on the bottom, I mean, sometimes if you haven't gone down 35 meters, then maybe it's it's reasonable to to, to fin over to it. But um, definitely, I, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like absolutely. But you hear experienced guys talking about that. But I think a lot of people, when they first start getting down to 20, 25 meters, they think oh, I'm already here. I'm going to spend so, as long down yeah, here as yeah. I can. It's a little mental trap, I think. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I've, I actually, yeah, I really like that idea. Interesting. It was a cool little um, mental um, heuristic, I think, just for planning and thinking about dives. For sure. Um, but I yeah. think it's uh, the reality of a lot of people is for for people if they don't have their own boat, they don't they don't really know where they're going to go diving. You don't have that luxury of oh, this is the, this rock's coming up. I'm looking yeah. forward. Oh, this is this spot. You know, oh, yeah. yeah, okay. On this on this edge, I know there's going to be you know some big mangrove jacks or something. So. Mm effectively a lot of people are diving and they're scouting a lot of the time every time they go out they're they're diving new spots and scouting so do you do that do you do scouting dives yeah absolutely okay so I, how does I, I, love, I love to do scouting so how does a scouting dive work oh a scouting dive as far as throughout yeah so most of the time i'll literally just be doing that i'll you know I'll dive, oh, yeah. hit the bottom have a look around um and that's really it hit the bottom have a look around if i think i see something that's that's interesting i'm going to stick around because um, I mean the other side of it is it's like okay you've done in a minute 45 dive that means you're you're up on the surface for another 5 minutes 30 definitely. or whatever yeah um, that's 8 minutes of your yep. dive day done yep. and, and effectively you haven't spent you know you haven't shot a fish mm -hmm. and so there's, there's there's a little bit of an economy sort of thing there definitely like a competition diver would just look at you and go oh that'd be yeah that'd be devastated <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but i mean if you if you're really yeah. out to just shoot one or two special fish a day like yeah. or, or more maybe 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 it's four or five special fish a day yep. but i think that's a it's maybe a, a good discipline to think about absolutely yeah. mm. and you don't like you, you definitely want to make sure that when you do see a fear good fish mm. that you've got the legs to go the distance you know yeah. um if you've been doing pretty solid diving your minute 30s minute 45s all day and then you see that big mangrove jack that big coronation trout just at the edge of viz just starting to come in and you're 
very uncomfortable at that point. Like you'd be disappointed. You'd you'd done. You've two, used your best dives. Yeah, on the sand. Yeah, on the edge of. Like, so you're you're almost saying like save your best performances for the for the for the best moments. For sure, for sure. I def yeah, I, I really like to do that for sure. Yeah, right. Um, you definitely still need to hit the bottom. Mm. Um, I think at that point you'll you'll always relax. You'll always have a pretty nice dive anyway. Um, and you're definitely going to increase the chances of seeing the fish. I don't. Th I think it's a lot harder to see fish from above. Mm. So for me, even if you're five meters from the bottom, boys can, are on with something. Yeah, out I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully some reds. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really hard to spot fish from from above, and it's even harder to shoot fish from above. Yeah. yeah. So sitting, even if if you're sitting at 15 meters, but it's a 20 meter spot. It's, it's pretty hard to see the fish, but that is still good to see ground. Some fish, I think, are vulnerable to that top-down predation, and that's why people fall into this habit, like um, like parrot and stuff like that. Like yep. dive-bombing them and spanking them from on top makes sense a lot yep. of the time because they don't see you. It's like a blind spot for them, mm -hmm. whereas when you're on a level, they're actually a real prick of a fish to get close to. Definitely, definitely. Um, so I think that's part of the reason why people fall into that habit. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is as well, if you've dived all the way to the bottom and then you, you get there and then you go, oh, the fish is 10 metres or that way. Yeah. I've got to go up now. Then you you think, oh, I'll look up next time yep. and then I'll I'll make sure I'm in the right spot before I go down. And it's, I don't know, it's a little bit of a trap there. Well, that's where I think I really, a lot of the time as well is hit that bottom mm. and keep your, keep your eyes down or keep your eyes close. Mm. Nestle in, sit into the reef, put, you know, Grab a hold of the reef with your left hand, your non-gun um, holding hand. Mm. Hold the reef there. Keep your your neck, everything relaxed. Maybe that like start thinking about your muscles and holding tension, where you're holding tension. Yeah. And if you're thinking about that and relaxing a fair bit, even for ten seconds, that's that bit of time where you look up. If there's fish coming your way, mm. you know, like okay, cool, we're on here. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting thought. What about? Um, I mean, the other side of it is, so you've done one of your, your Herculean type dives, right? You're, you're, you're sitting there at two minutes five or whatever. And yep. like, I'm not like for every diver, they've got a different limit, right? So whatever yep. the number is, I'm not trying to chuck out at some number. Yep. Maybe it's a minute for you, whatever. You're in 80 meters of water and you've been down there for a minute. And for you, that's a huge dive. You look up at the surface and you've got, it's a long way to go. Um, what? as your process like with your buddies and stuff when you're coming up from a longer dive for you so yeah look obviously being on i like shooting on real guns a lot different depths call for different measures mm. um but in, on those on the deeper stuff especially yeah. when there's been either fish shot or something or yeah you've started pushing that that limit um for me it's always making sure that you're you're thinking about technique on the way up. So you're um, finning cadence, like yeah, finning cadence. You like you, exactly. You're not looking at the surface even. You're not yeah. lifting that throat. You're not giving yourself that that room to have a, a squeeze. Yeah. Um, you're focusing on keeping technique properly, keeping a nice straight knee in your kick. Yeah. What about the massive contractions and your, you just maybe there's a little element of panic setting in or or anything like that. Is there anything you do in those situations? I think there's a lot of things like. For me, uh, like uh, throughout my dive, yeah. <laughs> I can see you getting uncomfortable. It's like you channeled that there for a minute because I think we've, <laughs> we've all been there, and it's yeah. like, do you know what I mean? Like there is there is some 
gymnastics we go through in our minds, I think. Oh, definitely. But the, and I think it happens. It all happens on the way down as well. Yeah. And I think it's embracing a lot of it to an extent. Yeah. So, for me, like I know what my symptoms of CO2 buildup is. You know. Yeah. So, I get hot in the face. I get the urge to swallow, um, and a lot of people just fight that. And same with contractions, you're fighting it. Um, but I think you just need to ride through it. Yeah. If you need to, if your body says you need to swallow, then maybe swallow um, yep. on the way up just to just to get through it. Um, if you need to open your mouth on the way up, open your mouth. Just kind of embrace whatever your body's doing, wanting wanting to do, and just focus on that technique. Okay. Um, for me, on those bigger dives, my buddies know we we're all pretty pretty in tune with what what each other's diving um, capabilities are. Mm. So. If we're coming on the way up, I know what my best mate's technique is of his finning. I know what he looks like when he comes up because I've seen him do it 80 times a day for the last uh, 50 times a, a year yeah, yeah. for the last five years. Yeah. Um, so if I see him start to slow his kicking down, he might be super comfortable, but in my head, he's it's changed something. He's done something completely different. So I'm meeting him. I'm meeting him. Even if it's if I see it at 10 meters, if I see it at five meters, I'm onto that. Yeah. Um, that's that's the big thing there. Um, but for me, yeah, it's focusing on technique, not focusing on looking at the surface. Mm. Um, yeah. When you've got a dive buddy on the surface that you can really rely on yep. to be there when you come up, um, does that give you a lot of peace of mind as well when you come into the relaxation side of things when you're spinning a bit longer on the bottom and things like that? Does oh, it, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Um, yeah. Well, you wouldn't want. Yeah. Absolutely. There's definitely like there's a sense of that. Um, at the end of the day, like there, any slip up like we found today, you can end up in a pretty bad, pretty bad yeah, shape. Yeah. So I'm pretty picky with who I dive with. Yeah. You know? If I see someone who's a bit of a cowboy and I don't really, I don't really think they're they're going to be watching my back. Yeah. yeah. I'll say that. I'll definitely bring it up with them. But it's a cultural thing, though. Definitely. Like, we, we, you and me were chatting yesterday about this. Like. Some parts of the world, they, they don't really buddy dive. And they mm. sometimes I think they think they buddy dive, yeah. but they don't. And I do it too. Like if I go to a shallow area and I'm with, um, with dudes and we're all with, well within our comfortable operating depths, yeah. there is a temptation. And, and, and there's a hunting practicality towards spreading out and Absolutely. sort of, do you know what I mean? Definitely. But whenever you sort of start to hit depth, you really just want people around you you can rely on, I think. 100%. Yeah. There's, like, there's nothing worse than hitting the surface and seeing old mate Joe... 50 meters away and you know that it's been you're worth in your limits but you've had a big dive mm. and you've got the surface and he's not there yeah uh, imagine if i'd you know shot that fish and got snagged up in 25 yeah. meters and put that little bit too much time on into trying to fight that fish off the, off yeah. the bottom um and it can happen so quick yeah like i'm no athlete and i know people a lot fitter than me who have who have done themselves a mischief in, in yeah. free diving for sure I mean I'm an athlete so I'm on yeah. a different page fighting weight so. that's for sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah What what's your process with your you know the buddies you've had for prolonged periods of time when do you guys agree to just kind of separate and um, dive solo a little bit like what depths and, and situations now you're always together. a lot of them yeah like uh yeah. You enjoy hunting together, even Absolutely. in the shallow stuff. Yeah. That's even today I said to one of uh, um, Ryan, I've just started diving with yeah. this trip. And a prime example was uh, an even bigger Spanish came in on me when I was chasing some squid. 
Yeah. And it was right at the end of my breath. And I turned around, wanted to swing my gun towards it, knew I'd spook it, hit the surface. He's 10, 10 to 20 metres away. And I was like, that's a prime example that I've seen a lot of the time, especially Spanish, they're very inquisitive. And if that diver doesn't get an opportunity at the shot, that a lot of the time your buddy will. Mm. So you'll, you'll definitely, I find you shoot a lot more fish mm. um, with the buddy. But it's also a team sport. Like, it's good fun. Yeah, You're yeah. out there with your best mates, like... Yeah, and making friends, too. Yeah. Like, and the high-five moments and there's heaps of shit, like... Absolutely. Second shots, sharks. There's yep. so many benefits to having a good buddy. This episode of the Noob Spirit Podcast is brought to you by spearfishing.com.au. You might as well check out some gear while you're thinking about spearing and get an idea of what you want to buy later on down the track. Everyone's looking to upgrade something, whether it's your spear gun, your wetsuit, your float. It doesn't matter what it is. Head over to spearfishing.com.au. Fantastic reviews from a whole bunch of people just like you. People that love spearing. If you like, head into the stores. Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney or Perth. There's 70 passionate team members that can give you some help, getting some idea about what to buy next. But uh, the online shopping experience is fantastic too. And if you shop online, for every purchase over $200, if you use the code NoobSpero, you save $20. Thanks for supporting the NoobSpero podcast and shopping with spearfishing.com.au. Simple, accurate, deadly. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, and save $30 on any spear gun. For a limited time only. Go to killshotspearguns.com, check them out for yourself. Handmade in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, or head into the shop and say, Crikey, mate. And apparently Ed will hook you up with a $30 discount on any timber spear gun. Get your hands on one, killshotspearguns.com. What, what do you do, though, when you've got an inexperienced buddy and they disrupt your hunting like in terms they just they move clumsy on the surface and they're positioning themselves directly above you and you might only be in say 30 feet of water and it's that spooking stuff you know what i mean because yep. a lot of those species sometimes in that 10 meter stuff it's like oh sweet i can spend a ton of time down here and i can yep. really yep. you know you know i can really um pull the thread out of a fish and get it to come into me but I need in order to do so I need to spend a lot of time but yep. if some, there's someone on the surface above you sometimes they can ruin those opportunities yeah what no they definitely there? can oh yeah, it's a tough <laughs> one it's a tough one um, oh. look I'm sure I've probably spat the dummy at a few people I'm yeah. sure uh, along the way but yeah look I'd, most of the time I just have that conversation with them and oh, I think yeah. a lot of the time is like I think there's things that can make like for, even for their success you telling them you're doing them a favour anyway. Absolutely. And they appreciate it. Yeah. Like yeah. little things, even for, for me, I make sure that um, through the duck dive is trying to make sure you, when you do your duck dive, not kicking too early so that you're flapping your blades on the surface, yeah. throwing water everywhere, making noise. You know, when I, if I get water in my snorkel on the surface, I'll lift my head, empty my snorkel instead of doing that big drastic blowout. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Just even teaching them things like that and then go, yeah. oh, yeah. And also stay about 10 metres away from me while I'm on, <laughs> on, while I'm on the bottom. Yeah, you know, yeah. Throw on sand, please, if you can. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 do these things and yeah. it'll be sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also think a lot of the time, most fish are, you know, unless you're chasing things like your pink snapper, job fish. Um, are forgiving enough. A lot of fish are forgiving enough, yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, I just like to blame my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, I mean, is there anything else I think like you wanted to sort of add to thinking systematically about like a dive? Because, I mean, we're still really in this veteran's vault thing. I mean, we've been talking about dives, really. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else to it, you, you think? And, um, and how would you advise other people? Like, just to, would you even write it down, like your steps? I think a big thing is to to understand. Yeah, you can definitely write steps, and it could be effectively those steps that I was told. Was pretty Triple much your right. surface interval. Yeah, and that's tidal breathing. Do some equalizing. Um, relax. Let the tension go. Close your eyes. Yeah. Um, fill your stomach first, and then your chest last. Yep. And then that hand up to your um, to final equalise, yep. and then pull the snorkel down. Keep that elbow to your chest. Yep. And then the other arm extends out like a breaststroke or a free freestyle, like quite a yep. big, ex but efficient sort of stretch. Yep. And then you you're pointing your gun where you want to go, and then you're yep. doing one big pull, yep. six to eight big powerful sort of kicks once you get your fins beneath the water. Yep. And then uh, and then starting to enter into a free fall by then hopefully. Yeah. By then you yeah getting that free fall and then just having. You know, you still need probably another six to twelve kicks, depending yeah. on the depth you're doing. But at least by then you're starting to slow them down. You're not engaging your quads as hard. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you're not getting that um, that big demand on your muscles. It's kind of you've 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 set the tone. You've already done most of the hard work. Exactly, you've first. done the hard yeah. yards already. Yeah. You're not doing slow, inefficient kicking, and you're just slowly when you're, fighting when you're positively that buoyant. Exactly, yeah, you're yeah. fighting that buoyancy the whole time. Mm. Um, but a lot of that's just literally regurgitated from from yep. uh, people I've trained with, you know. Um, but I think the biggest thing that you can do for yourself, like every person can do, is actually understand um, their symptoms of CO2 buildup. Yep. Like for me, that was a big, like another light bulb moment of, okay, yeah, this is what happens roughly at, you know, you can do it doing statics at home. So do practice your belly breathing. So a lot of people just, again, just do that, a breathe up and... <sighs> And you'll see a lot of people just automatically that chest lifts up. Yeah. And they're not doing like a two or three stage breath. Yeah, they're not feeling that that bottom of the belly, and then they're not going to feel that top. Yeah. So you're only feeling, let's say, two thirds of your lung. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're not yeah. taking as much fuel down as you could. Exactly. Um, so practice that on your bed, doing some statics, mm. and then through your statics, just start to write down. You don't need to be doing six minute statics, mm -hmm. but even just feeling that, okay, at 30 seconds, I'm getting hot flushes through the face. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I know that that's about 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Okay. And about a minute, I'm getting tightness in my throat. Um, okay. I'm feeling that urge to swallow. All I can fucking think about is swallowing. You can swear on this okay, podcast. Cool. It's, <laughs> it's an explicit <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's thoroughly should have told me at the beginning. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> um, all I can think about is swallowing. Yeah. Okay, we'll swallow and see how that feels. Or yeah, and then I'm going to cut that one part of the interview out, okay, and that's cool. going to be on a lot of um, internet videos. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, that's good. It's good, man. It's really good to hear your sort of thoughts about, it. and it's still a bit of an experiment for you, by the sounds of it. Yeah, you, absolutely. This isn't something you've mastered yet. God no. This is something no. you're still working on. I think most diving is exactly that. Like mm -hmm. every day is different. Incremental improvement too, isn't it? A lot yeah. of it. Yeah. 
it can be quite frustrating too, I think, particularly when you're new and you're listening to some of the stuff and you think, oh, 30 metres, yep, okay, that's me next year. Mm. And it's like, well, no, no, it's, it was a journey for you. Absolutely. Even though, you know, you had some good advances in the start, I'm sure there were some barriers you hit along yeah, the way. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's a lot of, and the, like I was told from, a, from you know, over a very long time that you should only dive what your age is. Yeah. You know, if you're 17, dive 17 metres. Oh, what okay. I, as actually people told me. Um, I think that's more so just a... Um, Slow adaptation, just to encourage yeah. that. Just to, yeah, exactly. Slowly, incrementally build up. Not Somewhere along the way, you broke it. the rules for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, mate, I'm uh, I'm pretty old. Yeah, I've never broken that rule. I'm 38, so. <laughs> 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 no, no, it's good. Um, but yeah, no. So, oh, I don't even know where we're going there. Nah, it's good. It's good. Good. Good thinking. Um, I wanted to talk about um some some funny stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, segue out of it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What are some of the fun? What's one maybe one of the funniest things you've you've experienced out spearing? Funniest things I've seen out spearing. Oh, I've had a. Is it a poo, uh, is it a poo story? Oh, poo story! No, oh, no, poo story. I just specialise in poo stories. You do? All. I've definitely well, got no, a poo my story. My podcast for sure. because I I particularly I particularly find poo stories funny. Okay. So I think just like naturally guests want to share their poo stories with me, but it doesn't have to be a poo story. Oh, I can show you a poo, oh, yeah, share a poo story. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, day two of diving out here is terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, poo story. So, um, diving off North Stratty and me and one of the boys were chasing Mulloway. Mm -hmm. And we're in about eight metres of water on a common, pretty common spot that we'd been, we'd just seen quite a few fish. Right. And I just said to him, I was like, hey, mate, I'm just, I'm just going to go swim this way for a bit. Yeah. Don't come this way. And he took that as, he's seen some fish over that way. So he let me swim off. And uh, I've gone over and pulled my pants down, started doing my thing. <laughs> and then next thing I know, he's coming straight over. He's swimming straight up the Burley Trail, effectively. And I'm like, no, no. And he swam straight through it. It's true, you poo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. No Mulloway either. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't too stoked. And he, oh no! So yeah, he thought uh, he thought he was following me to the uh, the Mulloway hole of uh, his dream, but no. Yeah, it was just well, it was yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> leave that one there. Mate. <laughs> yeah, not every joke works. Um, yeah, no, cool, man. Um, what about? I mean, like when you're talking to new guys in the shops, what's kind of like your two, three pieces of sort of go-to advice? Do you, do you sort of listen to them and listen to where they're at before you give them advice, or do you just um, have definitely some, yeah? Because yeah. everyone's kind of different, eh? Like yep. some people, it's like I don't know, everyone sort of battles with different things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think a lot of people definitely want to rush into it. My biggest advice is looking at what your budget is um, and trying to get <laughs> trying to get the mo like the the best quality stuff you can within that budget. I was just thinking about our first spear guns. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> well, that's it. Like I bought from a, uh, a fishing shop yeah. who didn't really have have much of an idea of, I think, what they were pointing me in that direction, you know. It's a good argument to go to a specialist spear fishing shop, isn't it? I think so, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I th yeah, a you lot of people have different opinions on different things. Mm. Um, and that's fine. Absolutely. One thing I like about that on the podcast is like, I, everyone's got a different opinion, but I just try and get their opinion about it and yep. find out why. Some, some dudes are a little bit like, oh, you just do this. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, why? And they're yeah. like, no, nah, you, you just, just do, do it. it. <laughs> and it's like, well, 
Okay, like I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna break the rule because I don't understand why. Yeah, and I'm gonna have to discover for myself because you're not explaining it to me. And that, and that's where yeah, spearfishing. A lot of the stuff is quite anecdotal. Mm. It's uh, it's a long way behind a lot of other thing, other sports, and the understanding of of gear. You know, gear is evolving so much all the time. Mm. Um, so yeah, it definitely. Um, everyone has different opinions mm. and and things that work for me mm. you know you might absolutely hate mm. and mm. It, it's really trying to understand effectively what people are trying to get out of their spearfishing mm. what type of fish are they hoping to shoot um, where they're diving mm. how often they're going to dive um, and things like that so I, I always ask people where they're diving what what they're what they really want to be trying to get with this, with their gun, their fins, what they're trying to do, um, and a lot of the time, it's situational by the sounds of it. Absolutely, yeah. it's very situational. Mm. Um, what do you, what what are two or three things um, people can do? Like they're in their first year of spearing. Yep. Um, what are two or three things that people can do to dramatically sort of help them um, find success spearfishing? Um, one of the biggest things I think, like for me. Especially if they don't have access, if people don't have access to a boat. Yep. Um, like Google Maps, Google Earth, is one of the the best tools, best free tools you'll ever find in your life. Yep. Um, so that is one of the biggest things. Using yep. that, you know, having a look at different headlands, understanding what species you're wanting to find, mm. um, and just going out there and, and having a look. Mm. So make make a weekend of it. Like I did a lot of lot of time camping on headlands doing a dive here, doing a dive there, and just covering ground. Yep. And a lot of places, you might not see the fish there, but you'll you'll look at the reef and you'll start seeing structure. And everyone, once you start seeing structure, you'll you'll really understand. Like if, you see, understand. if you see big boulders, yeah. and they sit out on the edge of a sand on a ledge, mm. and they come from, uh, it's a 10 meters onto the sand, and it comes up to four meters on top. Yep. It's a pretty significant piece of, rock yep it might not hold fish now but it's gonna it'll probably hold fish at some point yeah so you know okay that's a spot for you to check at some point it might yep. not be might not present today tomorrow it might yeah um so it's covering ground being persistent it's uh like i think we were, we were talking last night about using almanacs and things mm -hmm. like that like i was talking with um strico from back to basics and same thing we we're both talking about that and it's like you think you've got this one spot worked out. You think you've got the moon phase. You think about all of these things, and you turn up there the same day, the next year, mm. same moon phase, same wind, same tides. Yeah, nothing yeah. there. Um, it's persistence in that case. And I think Google Maps at least narrows down a lot of it because yeah. you can see around headlands in specifically, which is a lot of people where are shore diving, um, and you can shoot some fantastic fish shore diving. Mm -hmm. My best memories are shore diving. Yeah. Um, most of them. Um, so yeah, using that, I think that's a, a bang on one. Spend you know, spend your Friday night having a few beers and looking at Google Earth. Yeah, right. Eh? Um, and that'll narrow down. No, no, no matter where you are in Australia, you'll you'll be able to find a bit of structure at what least about, off headlands. What about learning species? So you went to WA. I mean, yeah. Have you dived outside of Australia much? Have you gone to areas where you're not that familiar with species before? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what was your process for learning them? Um, watching videos from those areas. Ah, uh, yep, yep. So like I dove a little bit, uh, did a, I, I managed to get a dive in in Florida a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, but a lot of those species are iconic. 
Yeah. You know, your hogfish. Yeah. Like Mutton bear, snapper. Mutton snapper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bang on accent, yeah, mate. Yeah. Uh, no, I can do it. <laughs> Sometimes I do it. Yeah. Um, diving New Zealand, you know, watching watching snapper snooping, understanding what that is. Yeah. Same thing and and asking questions. Yeah. Like it's uh, like we are talking last night, the same thing. It's a, especially well, as adults, a lot of people don't really want to be um, perceived authentic or yeah, under, yeah. like just I don't I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Like, yeah, what, yeah. what am I doing? Okay, yeah. snapper snooping. What do we? What does that mean? Yeah. Um, asking those like asking those people those questions and listening to the locals. Um, or just watching videos, getting a bit of an understanding of that technique mm-hmm. in that area. Um, I th- it's pretty easy to find in those you'll you'll learn species pretty quickly yeah um, and you'll also see their techniques um, but as far as trying to find ground when you go overseas or something that's that's a whole nother question yeah that's yeah google earth same yeah, thing yeah, which yeah. is tough tough um, I had um I had three rapid fire questions for you and then yeah. um I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to end up talking with you again in the future about a few things because I don't yeah. think we've covered as much ground as we could have. Mm-hmm. Um, but three faster questions. Um, who is one or a few of the most influential people um, that you've been around in your spearfishing? Like the, maybe made the biggest impact on you as a, as a spearer? Um, I'd probably say, yeah, like my be- one of my best mates, Sam Cox. Yeah. Like uh, he was, for me, one of the the first people I had, a, I'd started diving with a lot. He's, for me, I've done some of my best diving with him. Yeah. Um, super comfortable. We've been halves in boats. So that was probably my biggest barrier to entry was buying a boat. Yeah. We went halves in a boat um, a couple of years ago. And yeah, so he was very influential. We've always picked our brain, picked each other's brains about gear, what we can do better, yep. where we can aim. Um, yeah, so he's probably one of the big ones. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, what does this spearfishing experience mean to you? Because I talked to dudes too, and like you've spent a lot of time invested in spearing, and I think at one point you've been burnt out by it, and then you've come mm-hmm. back. Um, what does it mean to you now? Look, yeah, spearfishing is obviously the way I like. I'm very lucky that I work for Adreno, and I've it's 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 my whole lifestyle. Mm. Um, I work in it. I, I do it on my days off. It's just, apart from a few other little hobbies I have on the side, it's just about everything else I've got, you know? Um, yeah. And it's something, obviously, I've, I've been doing it now. I've been diving for 11 or 12 years. I've been working in it for eight years or so. Yeah. And it's something that I want to do forever. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's something I'm really passionate about, whether it's, you know, developing, trying to develop new product, mm-hmm. um, just trying to get other people into the sport and understanding why we do the sport. Um, but it's also the food, like, <laughs> Yeah, we've been proper about just chatting recipes. I mean, we had sashimi tonight. Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were sport, man. <laughs> um, my, my last question, and it, it's probably not a shorter one, um, we started chatting about it um, off mic, um, and, it, and it's some of the exciting new products you have been working on. Um, is there one you wanted to sort of talk about that is about to come out or has come out or I mean what have you been really excited about in, in the past little bit of time um, obviously yeah there's uh, we're at Adrenos we're always trying to look at new gear and mm-hmm. developing new gear um, and 
Yeah, Sam Cox, like who I was just was talking about before, he designed uh, salt suits. Yeah. Um, so salt skin. And that has been something that we've kind of been kicking around the ball, kicking that ball around for a long time. Um, yeah. And it's just a, 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 just a wetsuit that has a few little things in it built into it. It's just an absolute workhorse. Isn't pretty. Um, you know, wow. It's a black wetsuit. No yeah. camo on that thing. I yeah. was surprised. I was yeah, like, it's oh. just a really sleek, like, for me, really, really nice clean wetsuit. Weight pockets on the shoulders. Yeah. Um, what does that do? Well, it's kind of like wearing a neck weight. Yeah. So a lot of freedivers do it. And for me, it, it you see a lot of people when they duck dive and they continue their kicking, especially if they have their head up, they kick underneath themselves. Yeah. Um, so they're going, they're actually, instead of doing a 17 meter dive, they're doing a 20 meter swim. Yeah. You know? Or 25. Yeah. 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 I was just chatting about this too the other day. Like, there's the there's the spirals you see the spiraling guys <laughs> yeah. and then there's the angle guys yeah and it's yeah. like i mean if you're diving on a line or you've got some structure picked out or something yep. it seems to be much easier but like yep. a lot of us do it oh, absolutely so the weight the weights help orient you i like, think so yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just it's all up in your shoulders yeah um yeah and also for me it helps me kind of settle into the reef a little bit more as well okay i like that it's the other thing I picked up about the suit is like it seems to have borrowed a fair bit of technology from some of the latest and greatest in, spear, uh, in, in surfing. And I mean, that's a hundreds of millions of dollar industry where they've spent a lot of time developing really good wetsuit technology. There's a few, like the, the seams seem to be, have yeah. particularly been borrowed. And um, yeah, I like the look of it. I'm waiting for a free one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we have your size there. <laughs> oh, you had, had to get in a weight. Yeah, I had to. You're never to. coming back. To <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then I, 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 we wanted, I wanted to have a try and have a suit that, you know, for me, I really like being able to put it on with no lube. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Sam's what he's done is just put like a glide skin or a smooth skin in your. Around your hood seal, yeah. Around your wrist seals, around yep. your ankle seals, yeah. Um, and also on the chest of the long john, yeah. So you're getting that seal around where you where you need it to seal, um, which is a surfing idea too. Exactly, mm. exactly. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's been working on that for a long time, slaving away on it. It's a really cool thing. So yeah, cool. It's exciting to see something that he's been putting into concept. Yeah. And now I'm able to go and shoot fish in it it's yeah, pretty cool sick um, and that's why you dived in a competitor's suit today <laughs> <laughs> no I'm just saying <laughs> that'd be great if you were though. Uh, I dived in one of those um, new Adreno and Vissi skins um, yeah I got given one last week and I've had two dives in it and it's a three mil suit and I dived in 90 degrees and I, I just don't think it's quite nah. warm enough because it's not an open cell suit nope um, I think it's a 20 degree plus suit, and but today we're out here in 23. Yeah, it'd have to be 23. Yeah, I, I didn't check actually. But I felt it, it was great, and it's yeah. so easy to put on. It, yeah. like, it's got great flex. Um, I like it so far. Um, I don't know how it's going to behave with compression and stuff over time, but um, so far so good. Should I'll be like, a little workhorse for yeah. you. Yeah, and um, it's quite a buoyant suit too. And like initially, yeah. it'd be interesting to see the characteristics of it over a bit of time. Well, you see that, like with especially, like you're saying, a lot of the surfing neoprene. Mm -hmm. So they've got within their neoprene, the way that they get a lot of stretch out of them mm. is uh, a higher density of bubbles. Yep. And so with that, um, yeah, you get a lot of stretch out of it. Um, yep. And with that, obviously, more buoyancy because yep. there's a higher density of bubbles in it. So 
Yeah, you may need to wear a little bit more weight. It will also compress a little bit over time, like when you start, especially yeah. in those depths, like if yeah. you start going 20 metres into that second atmosphere, you'll, you'll feel it probably pressurise a little bit. Oh, um, that sounds like a good a good um, brand name for... What's for that? Pressurise? Like two atmosphere diver, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a 29.4 PSI pressure diver, you know? Like my lungs are only at a third of their volume. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny some of the stuff we talk about that no one else would understand. Nah, uh, nah, not at all. Nah. Oh, good. Um, where can people um, connect with you? Are you on social media and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, so my Instagram's Taylor's a girl's name. Taylor's a girl's name? Yeah, mate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just... Is that like one of those um, battle rap things where you give people a joke because they're going to make it anyway? Exactly, yeah, yeah pretty nice. well. Yeah. 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 Uh, Do you spell it T-A-Y-L-A-H? O-R. Oh, uh, no, that's... A-H. <laughs> Come on, bro, you've got to do it. <laughs> no, cool. All right, so Taylor's a girl name. I'll link that up in today's show notes. So people go to noobspirit.com forward slash Taylor, T-A-H-L-A-H. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll have some of these Adreno gear videos that they've been working on as well as I'll link up the salt skin suit and, um, and Taylor's uh, on Instagram as well and uh, connect with them, give them a shout out and uh, say hello. Pester him with any questions. Um, I'm sure he'll be particularly, uh, you know, he, you're always helpful with uh, new divers. So hats off to you, really, because, um, you know, everyone that encounters you, I think they get the sense of stoke and, and, and you, you still love helping people. And, and you, you, I've got heaps of ideas out of you already on this trip. So it's really good to chat with you. Absolutely. I All appreciate good. your time, my friend. Cool, man. Um, so round two at some stage in the future. Absolutely, my friend. All good. Some absolute knowledge bombs today from Taylor Slattery. It was, an, it was a real pleasure getting to know him and dive with him. Uh, this week's episode was week one, uh, sorry, night one on board Liverboard Charter uh, out on the Eastern Voyager out on the Great Barrier Reef, sort of down in the bunker group. Uh, it was Kira Vadreno and I got to do four interviews while I was out there, one every night and uh, Jeep is two diving sessions every day and an interview every night. I was absolutely buggered by the time I went to sleep. But uh, yeah, so in the next coming weeks, I've got Tim Nielsen, who's the owner of Adreno. We get to hear the full Adreno story. So it's really cool because they've been sponsoring the show for so long. It was great to finally get that story out. And uh, I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. After that, the week after, I've got well, the Back to Basics boys, Stricken Ads. They've been much requested for a long, long time. Really enjoyed diving with those boys. Spent a day and a half diving with them. Had an absolute blast. Those guys are even better in person than they are on their YouTube channel so that was cool and then the final week I did a full trip debrief with the 15 other Sparrows that were on board this boat had an absolute blast and uh, so I'm looking forward to sharing those interviews with you in the coming weeks big thanks to Robin Cornelan for editing this episode and if you love the new Sparrow podcast I'd definitely encourage you to come and be a patron listener Head over to patreon.com forward slash noobspero and support the show on an episode by episode basis. Every single dollar raised goes towards funding trips where I get to come out and meet meet you guys, the listeners, do live interviews on the road and go spearing. And uh, I've been loving these trips lately. Like New Zealand, I got out March uh, to shoot a big kingfish. I just did this trip out the Great Barrier Reef. Despite coronavirus, I've managed to get out uh, traveling and spearing twice already this year so I'm absolutely bloody spoiled loving it and I really love the live interviews too so thanks for your support um, to all the patron listeners hey see you in a week Tim Nielsen let's do it